morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to the International Protestant Church of Zurich. My name is Sam Jerfe. I'm the associate pastor here, and our lead pastor, Douglas Brower, is uh, leading our smaller church members over in Junior Church in the Canton Schule, and uh, he'll be back for uh, communion in a little while. Uh, a couple of announcements uh, I'd like to make. Uh, if you um, are here for the first time, or here for the first time in a very long time, uh, in a moment I'm going to ask if you would stand and introduce yourself in a an usher will come forward with a microphone so that we can all hear your name and welcome you. Uh, but before we do that, a couple of things I'd like to uh, make aware. Uh, next week in the evening service, uh, we will have our children's program. Uh, every, the first Sunday of each month, we have a children's worship program for children ages 2 to 6 or 7-ish uh, in the evening worship service. And so for those of you with young children who make it difficult to come to the evening service, we want to make that available to you if you've ever wanted to come and join us. Uh, and so that will be next week, um, Sunday evening, over in the Methodist Church across the street. We'll have our children's program. As well, just so for those who are interested, uh, starting in the new year, we hope to do that as, as well twice a month now, the first and third Sundays of each month to make it more accessible for parents with young children. So keep, it, keep a lookout for that. Uh, also, for Christmas, uh, you may have noticed that Christmas Eve actually falls on a Sunday this year. And so we will not be meeting in, in the morning. Uh, Christmas Eve service, which is hard to believe, is already only four weeks away. Uh, we'll be actually meeting Christmas Eve in the evening here, and they will be the uh, nine, nine lessons and carol service that we usually have on Christmas Eve. And then afterwards, for those who, who don't have a Christmas dinner planned or, or, or somewhere to go, there'll actually be a Christmas potluck offered uh, in the Zeltoff Lounge. And so um, if you are interested in that, uh, especially the potluck, please call the office or email the office and let them know so that they can get a good idea of who's coming and how many uh, plan to attend. So that will be Christmas Eve um, for that. And then lastly, uh, our Christmas card sales will um, be today during the coffee hour. Uh, many of you know them with the books. They didn't tell me. Thank you for telling me. Uh, we have book stall during the coffee hour today, as well as selling these great handmade Christmas cards that support ministry we do in Southeast Asia and uh, the Meisters, some missionaries of ours. And so um, please come. And visit with us after the service. Books are a great gift, and also so are the Christmas cards. It's a great, um, great way, and it um, goes to a great cause to buy those. So, um, if you are here for the first time, or here for the first time in a long time, or, or just never stood and maybe introduced yourselves, I'd invite you to do so now. Uh, and we have an usher that will come around with a microphone and also give you a little welcome booklet that tells you all about our church and, and what we have going on. So, if that's you, I'd invite you to, to stand now and, and do so. Oh, wonderful. Back in the back and this. Good. Okay. Uh, hi, I'm John. And I'm Rosa. And we're here visiting, and this is the first time. So, welcome. Well, welcome, John. It's, it's, it's great to have you both. Thanks for being here. And then we have one more on the My name is David, I'm from the uh, south of England, just visiting the course I was lecturing at yesterday, so on the way home. Hey, it's wonderful to have you, David, welcome. Anyone else? Wonderful. Uh, well, with that, I would like to invite a member of our council, Richard Couples, who has joys and concerns. 
Hello, welcome to everyone on this uh, crisp autumn morning, cold autumn morning. I just have a few announcements I'd like to share. First one, as always, is please make sure your, your mobile phones are turned off or at least turned to silent. And uh, the prayer team will be, will be available after the service near the piano, <laughs> piano over here, uh, to pray if you have a need or if you have a joy that you, you just like to share. Uh, also, I have some uh, flyers for, left over from the, the Reformation tour. So there's a lot of useful information in them, and uh, we have a lot left over. Uh, they might be useful for you if you have visitors coming and just want to show them around Zurich. So you'll find them with the ushers and hopefully also on the, on the welcome table. So please take some. Uh, another announcement. Uh, we are starting to prepare the Lenten devotional for, for next year. I know it's only November, but these things take some preparation. So I'm looking for, for people who are willing to submit a devotion for a particular day. So uh, I ask you to think about this, and if you feel led to, that you'd like to, to prepare one, please come see me, uh, find me a coffee hour, send me an email, or get in touch with the, with the church office, and uh, we can tell you how you can do that. So that's all. So now let's prepare our hearts and minds for worship. Please join me in the call to worship as found in your bulletin. In Christ alone, our hope is found. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please stand and sing hymn number 151, Crown Him with Many Crowns.
Please remain standing as we pray our prayer of confession together, followed by a time of silent prayer. Please pray with me. Help us to remain with you. Fix us firm in you. Our decisions do not glorify you. We do not behave according to your will. Do not cut us off from you, O Lord. You are patient and kind, Lord. Please save us from ourselves. We confess the deceit of our sin, the treachery of our nature, and our rebellion against you and your perfect kingship. Cast us not into destruction. Drive us not from your presence, but wound our hearts so that they may be healed. Break our hearts so that your hand might make them whole again. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Christ hears our cries and saves us from ourselves. Our God will not cast us off, but will draw us near to him.
Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 9, verses 32 through 37, as found in your Pew Bibles on page 494. Now therefore, our God, the great God, mighty and awesome, who keeps his covenant of love, do not let all this hardship seem trifling in your eyes. The hardship that has come on us, on our kings and leaders, on our priests and prophets, on our ancestors, and all your people, from the days of the kings of Assyria until today. In all that has happened to us, you have remained righteous. You have acted faithfully while we acted wickedly. Our kings, our leaders, our priests, and our ancestors did not follow your law. They did not pay attention to your commands or to statutes you warned them to keep. Even while they were in their kingdom, enjoying your great goodness to them in the spacious and fertile land you gave them, they did not serve you or turn from their evil ways. But see, we are slaves today, slaves in the land you gave our ancestors so they could eat its fruit and the other good things it produces. Because of our sins, its abundant harvest goes to the kings you have placed over us. They rule over our bodies and our cattle as they please. We are in great distress. This, too, is the word of the Lord.
Thank you very much, choir. This morning, you may have noticed that the uh, first passage was from Nehemiah, and uh, we're not going to spend time as much talking about Nehemiah. That was sort of a little bit of a wrap-up passage, uh, and, and as we go this morning, we're actually going to be in John chapter 12, so I'd encourage you to turn your Bibles there. Uh, we'll be reading it in a moment. This morning is what's known as the church calendar as Christ the King Sunday. It's a Sunday before Advent begins, and it's, it's a very important day. Uh, at least Doug and I both really like it. And we <laughs> were talking about this, and, and Doug had mentioned it last week, you know, there's so many great things about the, the story of Nehemiah as we've been studying it. And many people in the Old Testament, as you look at what many people call Christ-like figures, These are men and women who provide leadership, who provide guidance, who model characteristics and traits of God to the people that that, that lead them to repentance. Yet as we've looked at the life of Nehemiah, he was a Christ figure, but he certainly was not Christ. You know, as this passage ended in, in Nehemiah 9 that we read, the people are still in great distress. Sure, they were better off than before. There was a wall built. There was local government in place. You know, but they still weren't totally free. Nehemiah helped, but he couldn't do it all. He was not enough. And what's amazing to me is as I look through Scripture, we have wonderful people to look to, wonderful examples, but yet at the end of each of these people's lives, you go a generation, two generations later, we find the same is true that no one else is enough. People still fail. Even in great leadership examples like Moses and Joshua and the prophets and the judges, there is great effort, there is great examples, there is so much hope. But yet it's never enough to save. None of these wonderful men and women we look to in Scripture ever brought freedom and salvation. And as we look at the story of Nehemiah, as we've been studying it the last couple of weeks, the people actually were ready for a king. You know, the Israelite people had always wanted a king, right? We know the story with the the priest Samuel, who tells the Israelites, no, you you don't need a king. And they say, no, we want a king. And so then Saul comes, and then from Saul to David, and, and David to Solomon to Rehoboam, and then we have the split of the kingdom and ultimately the demise that leads to Nehemiah, the exile. It's amazing how even though we know people are flawed, we know people have these traits that we have that we don't like, and yet we still look to them for all that we need. Even us now, if we look at our own lives, modern politics around the world, we place our hope in mere people, people we know are flawed, and yet we cling to that hope sometimes in error. We, we, we want to look to a leader. We want to look to someone who will lead us where we want to go. We place hope and faith in ideologies and people and for what? We know that odds are we're going to be disappointed. If not this year, next year. If not next year, after that. But fortunately, we have a good God, don't we? A good God who sent a solution that only needed to happen once and still fulfills us to this day. So I'd invite you to join with me in reading John chapter 12. We're going to be reading verses 12 through 16. And this takes place as we normally would celebrate on Palm Sunday. 
Jesus' triumphal entry to Jerusalem. Starting in verse 12, it says, The next day the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. And at first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, this is great when we talk about Jesus Christ being our king, because even though when Jesus entered into Jerusalem, it's a story we're very familiar with, people shouted out, blessed is the king of Israel. They called him a king, and yet they didn't get it, it says. In verse 16, it says they didn't understand you know, many of times we read scriptures, whether it's this one or another one, and we wonder, how in the world did they miss it? You know? I mean, I do this all the time. You know, when Peter sins or when Peter misses the mark, I always think, Peter, you walked on water. How, how did you miss that? How did you just conveniently forget when you denied Jesus that, that just some time ago you were doing something miraculous? You were walking on water. Or, or, again, with Peter, it's interesting. But in John 21, when it talks about, you know, or John, whatever it is, John, uh, I forget. But when he raises Lazarus from the dead. I mean, the disciples saw a man, a friend of theirs, die, be there dead, and then get up and talk with him. And yet, at the end of Jesus' life, when he's getting ready to die and he's heading back to Jerusalem, it says that his disciples did not understand all of this. How do we as people miss what God is doing over and over again? We look at Scripture and we wonder, how did they miss these things? And many of you like history and like to read the history of different things. I mean, even we talked about the Reformation this year so much. You know, and we see many good things that came from it, but we've also talked about some of the wars and some of the violence and some of the blood. And, and, and you wonder, you read history and you look at maybe the history of the Crusades and the violence done in the name of Jesus Christ when Jesus clearly says those who live by the sword will die by the sword and yet those people said this was okay. How did they miss it? I mean, even in the last 150 years, look at all the violence committed around the world in the name of religions. How do people miss this? when they claim to be doing something for God or for Jesus. In the first century, people thought Jesus was coming as a king. In the first century, people thought, just as we call Jesus our king, but they thought he was coming as a different kind of king. You know, if you've ever studied the history of Israel, it's very interesting, but after the book of Nehemiah, eventually Persia was defeated by the Greeks, and so Israel came under the rule of the Greeks. And then when the Greeks outlawed Judaism, they revolted in about 167 BC, which is when you have essentially the Maccabean revolt, if you've ever heard of that, which is the foundations of of, of the holiday Hanukkah, the festival of lights. And and, and Israel was semi-independent and kind of autonomous for a while, but then again came Rome, another superpower to rule and dominate over them. 
And historically, they were so ready for a king and for freedom. They wanted it so badly. And here comes Jesus offering them freedom, but not the freedom they thought. It was a freedom of a spiritual nature, and they missed it. And I got to thinking, you know, oftentimes we want something so bad that we have a tendency to miss what God is doing. We have a tendency to to, to totally blow by what God might be doing for our own benefit and for our own desires. And so when I look at this, I think, how in the world did they miss Jesus? How in the world did they not understand everything he was doing? I think it's because, as I'm saying, we often become deaf to God. We often don't listen to God when God is doing things in our lives because we've decided that our passions and our desires are more important than what God would have for us. We have decided that that, that when we get our mind around something, we just can't let it go, and so we do whatever it takes to make that happen. And if we look at the time when Jesus came, it makes sense. You had two groups of people. You had people who wanted Jesus to be a rebellious leader. And when he wasn't going to do that, they got really upset. And then you had the the ruling elite who were comfortable with Rome, who had gotten used to drawing a salary from Rome, like tax collectors and these other people who said, well, we don't want Jesus to mess with this too much, like the high priest Caiaphas. If you remember the story, the high priest Caiaphas says, we don't want Jesus to take away all of these good relationships we have. We want to continue, just go along to get along. Their king had come and they missed it. And here we are two centuries later and I sometimes wonder, what do we miss that God is doing? What are we not listening to? What are we not hearing Because even though our king has come and he has offered us true freedom and salvation, we put things over him all the time. What is really your king? I mean, I always tell this to youth, and it's it's not a totally fair statement, but it helps me. I think, what if someone, if I just logged all of my time and energy? My resources, my time, how I spend free time, and I just sort of logged it every single day. Or if someone did it for me, I had a little you know, helper following me around throughout the day and said, okay, well, he spent 10 minutes of free time doing this, and then doing this, and then doing this. And then you sort of quantified it all up. Would it show that Jesus is my king? Would my time be spent loving and caring for other people? Would my resources be spent going to things that glorify God? What's really my king? Is it work? Even as a pastor, it's very tempting to make this my king and not my own relationship with God. Is it your spouse? I think all of us at one time or another are guilty of trying to put our spouse's needs over what God might be calling us to do. Is it family? Is it travel? Is it experience? Is it food? Is it drink? Maybe you live for that experience in your holidays and so you do everything you can so that you can have that wonderful experience with the people you love. Those are good things. Those are fine things and those are gifts from God, but are you putting them over God? Do you ever find yourself treating these things as your actual king and not your Lord, Jesus Christ? I confess I am guilty of this. I confess I find myself at times spending hours reading and studying for a sermon or reading and studying for a lesson, and then I realize that I have not spent any time praying just for me in my own heart. I find, uh, there's been times when I've met with young men before 
And I, I remember one specifically, and he would come to me and just say, I just can't figure it out. I'm struggling with all of these things, and I'm trying to do the right things. I'm, I'm going through, and I'm praying for people, and I'm, and, I, and I'm giving money, and I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing. And I asked him, and I said, when was the last time you sat down and prayed for yourself? When was the last time you sat down and asked God to speak to your heart and to answer your requests? You know, sometimes I think we struggle to hear from God because we don't really want to hear from God. We're afraid of what we might lose. We're afraid of what it might cost us. We're afraid that he might ask us to do something that's a little crazy and that's a little outside the box and that's not really safe. And so we don't want to lose that which we've built up for ourselves, that which makes us comfortable. You know, some of you may have noticed on the front of your bulletins, I had a quote. Um, It's attributed to Jim Elliott. He got it from um, an old 16th century British preacher. It's a little different. And Jim Elliot, if you don't know his story, was a missionary who was killed trying to teach people about the love of Jesus. And he famously penned in his journal, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. It's a little wordy, so what he's basically saying is this. There is nothing in this earth, if we put it over Jesus, that we take with us. We cannot keep the comforts. We cannot keep uh, the, the things that we love. Those are gifts from God. And so if we take them and put them over Jesus, trying to keep them and trying to hold on to them, we miss the point. But if we hold Jesus Christ as our king, and if we put Jesus Christ at the top of our lives, at the top of the pyramid, so to speak, we cannot lose. We cannot lose the hope of our salvation. We cannot lose the promise of freedom. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And so two questions I have for us this morning, they're very simple. First, are you asking God to speak daily? Are you asking to hear from God each and every day? I remember a good friend of mine once saying to me, Sam, I just want to see the Holy Spirit. I just want to see the Holy Spirit move. And I told him, I said, you know, if you honestly pray every day, When you wake up and say, God, I want to see the Holy Spirit today, I'm pretty sure you're going to start seeing it. I'm pretty sure you're going to start having the experiences you desire. Ask and speak to God. If Jesus is your king, are you going to him daily for instruction, for wisdom, for guidance, for help? And second, the second thing I want to ask you is, are you you willing to listen? When you go to Jesus daily, are you willing to really do what he says? I've talked about this before and I say it all the time. Prayer is so dangerous. (laughs) Prayer is so powerful and so dangerous that when we pray, we are interceding on behalf of the God of the universe to help us. Prayer is a powerful, powerful tool we've been given. And are you willing, when you go to God, to actually listen, to set time aside to discern the will of God? You know, in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul writes, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, His pleasing, and His perfect will. Are you going to God? 
And when you go to God, are you really willing to listen? Because I confess in my own life, it is difficult to listen to God. It is difficult when you put something stirring in your heart to think, but that might cost me something. But when we look at scripture, we realize that God is constantly doing this, isn't he? That God is constantly speaking in new and different ways. To Elijah, it was a still, soft whisper. To others, he used a talking donkey. To some, he used the mouths of their enemies. And yet God spoke through them. Are you looking for new ways to hear from God? Are you open to new ways of hearing from God? Are you willing to accept that God might be doing something new and different and outside of what makes you comfortable? When people missed out what God was doing, it was because they were afraid of being uncomfortable. When Jesus came to Jerusalem as a king, the Pharisees and the Sadducees did not want to lose their comforts. They did not want to lose that which they had worked so hard for. And so when Jesus came and spoke to them, their ears were closed because they could not lose that which they had worked so hard for. Do we listen? And do we hear? We have a king. We are his sons and daughters. And even if we follow good people, even if we follow good leaders, even if we follow those who are wise, they cannot save us. They cannot give us freedom. Only Christ can give us freedom and only Christ can save us. The best men and women who have ever walked this earth outside of Jesus, all they can do is simply point us to Jesus. And if you have given allegiance to something other than that, it will lead to folly and destruction. No one can do for you what Christ does for you. No one can do for you what Christ has already done for you. Your king is coming, and according to scripture, his return will not be so peaceably as sitting on a donkey. And we come to this season of Advent now, where we prepare for his coming. Where we symbolically spend four weeks lighting a candle each week, bringing light into the world to show the glorious coming of Jesus Christ and all it does for us. And yes, there are wonderful things about Christmas. There's gifts and there's markets. There's all sorts of blessings. There's cookies. There's great Christmas carols. But why? Because our king came once and he will come again. That he would come to show us love and mercy and grace. Would it cost us so much to take time out every single day for the next four weeks and really meditate and listen to what God is saying to us? What it means that God brought the light of the world to set aside time for, for Advent to, to, to hear what God might be saying. To hear what God might be calling you to do differently. To not just continue in the same system day in and day out, but something new and different. Something that might be difficult, something that might be hard, something that might make you uncomfortable. Because I want to be honest with you, church, I don't want to miss it. I feel like there's been times in my life when God was telling me to do something and I just sort of, I don't want to hear it. I just kept walking. I don't want that for you. We all know what that feels like. We all know what it feels like sometimes to feel like we missed an opportunity. Let us not let this season pass without worship, without prayer and devotion. And most of all, let us listen in submission to the, to the authority of our king. Because he is the only one who is the king. 
Not Nehemiah, not Moses, not any prophet, not any pastor, not anyone you can place your trust in other than Jesus Christ. As a church, we should desire to bow down and worship him, the King of kings and the name above all names. To those who don't know, we should tell them. We should preach truth with our words and with our actions. To those who are young and need mentoring, we will mentor them, we will lift them up, we will help them mature. And to those who are old, we will care for them and show them the love of Jesus Christ with our actions. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I do not want us to miss these opportunities as they go by day after day. To be the hands and the feet and the words of Jesus Christ. See, Christmas I love for so many reasons, but one of the reasons I love it is you go into secular stores and you hear, (laughs) you know, oh, come all ye faithful. You're in a grocery store and you're hearing a song praising Jesus. You're at a Christmas market and there's the the, the singing Christmas tree or something and you, you hear these people singing praises to the God of the universe. It is our job to tell people who that king is so that they don't miss it. It is our job to love people so that they do not miss the coming of the king. There's a song by a contemporary Christian artist named David Crowder. And I always think about it when I hear this. And I think about Christ the king. And it, and it just, it's very simple. It just says, here is our king. Here is our love. Here is our God who has come to bring us back to him. He is the one, he is Jesus. No one of this world can save you. I know you love your spouse, they cannot save you. I know you love your children, they cannot save you. I know you sometimes put your work above other things, your work will not be the thing that saves you. Your, your experiences, your vacation, that the, your favorite food, it doesn't matter what you put first in your life, the only thing that will bring freedom is the true King, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. People can lead, people can inspire, but all they can do is point you to Jesus. And that in turn becomes our job as the church to point others to Jesus, to show them that there is a King who loves them, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ and that they can be free and find freedom in the same way we have. Please pray with me. Lord, you are our king. Lord, you came in humility. You came in grace and love and showed us a better way to live. Lord, let us love our neighbors. Lord, let us love our enemies. Lord, let us lead and guide the young and care and love the old. Lord, let our lives be lives which reflect you above all else. Lord, you are good and your mercies endure forever. And Lord, I ask for each person in this room, Lord, myself included, that you would make us uncomfortable. Lord, stir our hearts and make us uncomfortable. Lord, we know we can do more. We know we can serve more. Give us the strength. Motivate us, Lord, that this church, our church, your church, would not let the Advent season go by without bowing down before our King who brought light to our lives. 
In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I'd like to invite you now, if you are able, to please respond by singing hymn number 155, Rejoice, the Lord is King. Hymn 155. We now continue our worship through our offerings. Please pray with me. Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, let us enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. We give thanks to you and praise your name. For you are good and your love endures forever. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. Please take these, our offerings, tokens of all you have given to us, which we now give back to you in thankful praise. Please put them to work in the furtherance of your kingdom. And Lord, now we also remember the victims and those who have been affected by the horrible slaughter in in Egypt. As As we try to comprehend the evil that man visits upon man, please comfort those who mourn and let your peace reign throughout the Middle East. We ask all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Amen. Please be seated. As we come to the table this morning, I'm reminded of the words of Scripture that say, greater love is no more than this, than he who lays his life down for his friends. And when Christ said that, he said to his disciples that he no longer calls them disciples, but friends. And so tonight, excuse me, used to the evening service, this morning, you are, we are invited to this table. We are invited to this table as friends, as sons and daughters of the King. And so please come to this table with open hearts, not just desiring to be filled, but also desiring to hear from our Lord and Savior, that He would guide and direct your steps. As a way of coming to the table today, let's use these words that believers have used since the earliest days of the church. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is our duty and delight that we should everywhere and always offer thanks and praise to you, O God. And now let us say together the words Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Power and the glory forever. Once again, as a way of preparing ourselves to come to the table today, let's take a few moments to share the peace of Christ with each other. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. On the night of his betrayal and arrest, our Lord took bread, and after giving thanks for it, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this as a remembrance of me. And after supper, in a similar manner, he took the cup. And when he poured it, he said, This is my blood poured out for you. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my death. 
As always, uh, children are welcome at the table. We ask parents to make that decision, and then if children do receive the elements, we ask that parents explain the meaning of the meal to them. Uh, if you would like to receive a blessing in lieu of the elements, just make this uh, universal sign, and Sam and I would be happy to, to bless you. And then uh, one last reminder, we do have gluten-free uh, bread, just to ask. And uh, now, elders...
Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for this supper shared in the spirit with your son, Jesus, who has come to make us new and strong. We pray that in the nourishment of this meal, we may leave today looking more and more like the people you have called us to be. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Our hymn is found on the insert. It's called uh, Go Forth in His Name. Thank you all so much for being here this morning to worship with us on Christ the King Sunday. Uh, Again, just a reminder, please stay and enjoy a time of coffee hour and um, check out the bookstall and and, and buy some Christmas cards as well. Um, They go to a great cause. Uh, And for a benediction, I would like to uh, draw your attention to one of my favorite little sections of the Psalms. Uh, Psalm 138 says, 
When I called, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. Uh, The New King James Version says something along the lines of, I called to you and my strength of soul increased. Please receive this benediction this morning as we go. Lord, may we be people who call out to you. May your spirit fill us and make our souls bold to speak, to love, and to worship you all the days of our life. Amen. Amen. Go in peace, all.